We come this morning to Ephesians chapter number five and verse number 15, and we come here as we begin uh, a new year, and a new year brings to us uh, new opportunity and a fresh opportunity. And uh, I'm praying that God will help us in our church as we enter into 2021, that we would seek him and that we would take advantage of every opportunity that we have. We come to verse number 15, the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submitting yourselves, verse 21, one to another in the fear of God. Let's pray together. I'll, before we pray, note to you, verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray today for your presence among us. We thank you that you've promised that where two or three have gathered, that you are in our midst. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us and enable us in these moments to receive your truth. Give us ears to hear. And I pray that you would help me, Lord, to proclaim faithfully the message that you have given me for this hour. Fill me with thy spirit and help us, Lord Jesus, in our hearts and in our minds to determine that we will respond in obedience to your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray it. Amen. The Bible says here in verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The apostle Paul here is writing to the uh, believers in Ephesus concerning the practical implications of their Christian faith. He speaks to them in an analogous term to describe to them how that they should conduct their lives, how they should live their lives on a daily basis. Uh, to describe this to them, he uses the word walk. And that's a comparison that we often make as we walk through life, as we live our lives. We need to understand that as believers, as Christians who know the Lord, those who have the Spirit of God living in them, those of us who, as uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, the old life, the old walk, the old course, which was according to the course of the children of disobedience, that, that life we're no longer living. And so we don't need to take up that road again. No, we need to walk on the road of righteousness, the road of faith. And so here the Apostle Paul is using these terms to help us understand how we uh, should live our lives. In chapter 4 and verse number 1, he speaks to them concerning the fact that they are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith, he says, ye are called. 
as Christians, we are to live a life worthy of our Christian faith and of our Lord. In chapter 4 and verse 17, he writes that they should walk not as other Gentiles walk. Who's he speaking about? He's not just speaking about a race of people or a mixture of races. He is speaking about people who do not know the Lord as their Savior. And so we're not to walk on the course of this world. In chapter 5 and verse number 2, he exhorts them to walk in love. In chapter 5 and verse number 8, he exhorts them to walk as children of the light. We are not in darkness. We are in light. And then in chapter 5 and verse 15, as we come to our text, he tells them to walk circumspectly or to walk wisely. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5, he says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without as you live your life, as you deal with an unredeemed world. Walk in wisdom toward them. Redeeming the time. Uh, the Apostle Paul uses this term here in verse number 16, redeeming the time. The word redeem means to buy. It means to buy out of. It means to, uh, to, to buy up and to buy all that is available. Uh, we understand that time is a precious commodity. Uh, you know, uh, a man may lose his wealth and perhaps later regain it. Uh, a man may lose his family and perhaps later regain it. A man may lose his position or his reputation and perhaps later regain it. But no man can ever regain the time that is lost, opportunities that are gone. The hymn writer once wrote, the time is now fleeting. The moments are passing, passing from you and from me. James said, what is your life? It is a vapor. It appears for a short time and then it passeth away. Moses said our days are like the grass. In the morning we spring up and in the evening we dry up and wither away. So in Psalm 90 and verse 12, as we noted last week, he said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Some would say, well, this is a message for older people whose days are coming to a close. But no, I want to say to you that this is a message for all people, especially those who are younger. I remember being seated, not literally physically in the seat you're in, but in the circumstance and time of life that many of these young people are in. I couldn't wait for time to pass. Now I want to hit the pause button. Couldn't wait to get out of high school. Couldn't wait to get out of college. Couldn't wait to get a job. Couldn't wait to get married. Couldn't wait to have children. I spent a lot of my times not being able to wait. <laughs> and now I wish I could wait a little longer. When Solomon, as an old man, wrote to a group of young people, his life was filled with regret because he had wasted a lot of time and a lot of opportunity. As he looked back upon his life, he recognized that it was wasted. And so he says to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 1, and he says to all of you this morning, especially those of you here near the front looking at me, I appreciate the fact that you do that and you behave so well and listen. He says, remember now thy creator 
in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. If we continue to read in Ecclesiastes, we would see uh, that uh, Solomon describes for us the calamities, the afflictions, the hardships of old age as our bodies begin to deteriorate and we deal with difficulties. Those who are living in the golden years have told me often that they're not so golden after all, that trials abound and afflictions abound. And so knowing this, Solomon writing says, remember now, today. Don't let these moments pass by. Remember now, thy creator. Jonathan Edwards who was a fiery preacher and preached perhaps one of the most famous sermons ever preached on American soil, sinners in the hand of an angry God. At the age of 19, Jonathan Edwards wrote 70 resolutions. You might look them up and you can find them online, 70 resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. He wrote these resolutions when he was 19. I won't read all 70, but I will read four of them. Resolution number five, he said, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve in the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolution number seven, resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Number 17, resolve that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. In other words, when it's my time to die, I want to be able to look back and say I lived my life the way that it needed to be lived. And then resolution 52, resolve that I will live just so as I can think I shall wish I had done, supposing I live to old age. In other words, if there's a day that God allows me to live to end of my old age, I want to be able to look back not only at my death, but in the midst of my old age and not have a life filled with regrets. That's why Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes to keep us from living the life that he lived. And so here's a young man who at the age of 19 had an understanding that he needed to redeem the time because the days were evil. The Bible tells us in, in John chapter 9 and verse number 4, the Lord Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This is speaking of your opportunity. I want to say this to you, that darkness is descending upon our nation. Darkness is descending upon the United States of America and upon this world as it prepares for the entry of the Antichrist, as this world is being conditioned for Satan's Superman to take supremacy in this world, I want you to know that dark days are ahead of us. I believe that we are going to enter into some storms that we as, as Christians in America have not entered into before. And I believe we're going to begin to experience those. We've been experiencing them. I believe we're going to experience them in a greater way in the coming days. And may God help us to prepare. 
But while we have opportunity, while we have time, may God help us to be faithful because darkness is descending. Now, he said the days are evil. This uh, gives us a sense of urgency, doesn't it? Time is passing, we understand that, and evil days are approaching. No doubt Paul had in his mind, as he wrote those words, the wickedness of the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a pagan, wicked place. And Timothy, who was the pastor that uh, God appointed for that church, and Paul left there to preach and teach the word of God to them, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy as he was discouraged and facing hardships and persecutions. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He said, preach the word. And may God help us to be faithful uh, as his church in this hour, as the, as the group sang a moment ago, to continue to preach the message of Christ in the midst of a wicked, wicked world with temptation and with snares and difficulties and issues all around us that are so difficult sometimes to discern the answer to. May God continue to give us wisdom and strength in these days. May God lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. May that be our prayer. May that be our prayer for our children who are facing temptations that some of us had no idea that, that we would ever see them come to pass in our world and in our land. John MacArthur in his commentary on this portion of scripture notes that severe persecution was just ahead for the Ephesian church. He said less than a hundred years after Paul wrote the Ephesian epistle, Rome was persecuting Christians with growing intensity and cruelty. We know that in the midst of that, the Lord Jesus spoke to his church in Revelation chapter 2. He spoke specifically to the church at Ephesus, and he commended them for their good works and for their uh, resistance to false teaching. But he did say to them, I have somewhat against you because, he said, you have left your first love. You see, they, they had the right doctrine, uh, they were a, a serious-minded group of believers, but their love in the midst of that iniquity that they lived in, their love for Christ grew cold. You remember what the Bible said about Lot, that righteous man vexed, or that just man, rather, his righteous soul was vexed by the filthy conversation of the wicked. You see, as we live in the midst of this wicked world, there is a tendency to cause us as believers to draw cold. We better learn to commune close with the Lord Jesus and learn to redeem the time because the days are evil and there's a great temptation. And by the way, by the middle of the second century, you could not find the church at Ephesus. And there hasn't been one there since. I certainly wouldn't want that to be said of the tabernacle, would you? The Lord Jesus said, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? May God help us in these evil days to redeem the time, to take advantage of the opportunities that we've been given because the dark days are descending upon us. Now, if we're going to do that, there are three things I want you to note with me that we read in this passage. First of all, 
I want you to see that we must walk with caution according to God's truth. Walk with caution according to God's truth. Notice what the Bible says in verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word circumspectly has the meaning of being accurate and being exact. It carries the idea of looking, examining, and investigating something with great care. It also carries the idea of being alert, being awake. Notice verse 14. The Bible says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. As you speak to people in this world, as you speak to those who even profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you talk to them about the times in which we're living and the truths of God's word, aren't you amazed at how many seem to be so unaware of what's going on in our world? You see, God has called us who know him as children who have the light and the truth to walk in that light and to be aware, to be awake, to be alert. You see, we live in a casual-minded, careless, carefree world. And people are not thinking and contemplating the decisions that they're making. They wake up from day to day with no direction, aimlessly wandering through life. But God's people are not to live their lives that way. God's people are to be alert and awake and cautious and thoughtful and deliberate and intentional about conducting their lives in a way that pleases their Lord. Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. We're not to be as fools, he said. How do the foolish live? He said in Titus 3 and verse 3, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Sounds like this age, doesn't it? Hateful and hating one another. Malice, that's the desire to hurt someone or to do hurt or to see hurt come upon someone. That characterizes the age in which we live. That is the age of those who are foolish. And by the way, a Christian can behave in a foolish way. When we uh, begin to live according to this flesh, and the desires of our wicked heart, and disregard the truth of God, we behave ourselves unseemly, unwisely, foolishly. And we must be reminded that we are to walk with caution, with wisdom in this world. And what is guiding us, what is navigating our way through the dangers and the the the, the toils and the snares, rather, of this life? What is it that is that is directing us through, it is the word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It gives us wisdom to consider the direction and the decisions that we are making. You see, if we want to change tomorrow, then we have to make good decisions today. 
I want you to think about where you want to be and who you want to be. If you're going to be that person, if you're going to get to that place, and only God knows where that is, then you must learn to follow God today to redeem the time in 2021. Not to allow the moment slipping by until it's way up in the evening and you realize I haven't prayed today, I haven't read the word of God today. Well, maybe I'll get that done tomorrow because this evening I have too many responsibilities. And then the days go by and then the weeks go by and then the heart grows cold. And then we make decisions on autopilot and not cautiously, circumspectly, as wise, but rather as fools. So if we're going to make good decisions, we've got to walk with caution according to God's truth. Let me encourage you, this year, read your Bible. Read your Bible. There is no, there is no activity that can replace that. Read it and reread it. And don't stop reading it. Continue to read it. And you'll be amazed at how God will speak to you and you'll begin to understand things that you'd never seen before in the scripture. You'll be amazed at how God communes with you and speaks to you as you engage with him in reading his word. Read the Bible. Read the word of God. There's no book study, and I'm not against book studies, a Bible study or some late book. There's nothing that will replace the Bible. Read the Bible. Let the fresh bread of heaven sustain you. You'll be amazed at what God will do in your life. Oh, some days, yes, you'll just get through it. I understand that. <laughs> but you'll gather and glean more than you ever imagined. Oh, let's get in the Bible. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Heed the Bible. That means listen to what it's saying. You know, uh, we're grateful for our church. We're a Bible-believing church. Amen? Amen? And I've grown up, and I'm thankful for my heritage in Bible-believing churches, Bible-preaching churches. And I would tell you, if anybody tried to get up here and correct the Bible in this pulpit, um, it would be a rough situation for them trying to get out of here, right? That's the way it ought to be. We are Bible believers. But let me ask you, are we Bible heaters? It's one thing to say we believe it and to shout out amen when we talk about it, and it's another thing to live it every day. It's a challenge, isn't it? May God help us. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. In other words, bringing my life in line with what God has said. Before we had all these little gadgets that tell us every turn to make, we used to have something called maps. And you had to try to plot where you were and where you wanted to go, and you sort of had to look on the map, and you had to look at the street signs if there were any, and uh, you had to try to figure out, am I in the right place and am I going in the right direction? We need to hold to the pages of the Word of God as we navigate life. We need to keep our eyes looking on the Word of God to guide us and direct us in every turn and every decision that we make in 2021. 
Well, I, I like this boy. Well, let me ask you, what does the Bible have to say about that boy? Is he a Christian? Does he have a heart for God? Well, then maybe that's the right boy. But if he isn't, it's the wrong boy. Well, I'm thinking about doing this with my life. Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? And very few people are willing to stop today and consider what God has to say. Order your life according to the directives of the Bible. Obey the Lord's commands. If you want blessings, there's no shortcut for them. You must be obedient to Christ. If we're going to walk circumspectly, if we're going to redeem the time, in 2021, we need to walk with caution according to God's truth. Let me give you the second one. We need to walk with comprehension of God's will. Walk with the comprehension of God's will. Notice verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but, what's the next word? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Here is a challenge to me. I am, as a believer to contemplate my steps, to order my life according to the scripture, and I am to learn to understand God's will. Now, God's will can be a mysterious subject for many people. But if you want to know God's will, I'm going to tell you that God will reveal it to you. If you want to know God's will, he'll reveal it to you. And sometimes he reveals it to you rather slowly in an effort to make sure that you really want to know it and that you're going to comply to it. Now, if you want to know God's will, the first thing you have to understand is that his will is supreme over yours. And some of us have never learned that. You know, we talk about, oh, I'll tell you what I do. This is what I want to do. I, I want to do this and I, and I want to do that. Well, let me tell you what, what, what will happen when that is your philosophy. You, you will find a, a lot of trouble in your life. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane said, not my will, but thine be done. Is that your prayer? I'm not saying, did you pray that once or twice? Or I'm saying, is that the philosophy of your life? Have you learned that lesson? Lord, not my will. I want it my way. Wait a minute. I've learned that my way is not the right way. God, even if it's uncomfortable for me, I'm willing to say, not my will, but thine be done. You see, if you want to know God's will, you have to begin there by submitting to the will of God. Then there are truths for us that clearly reveal much of God's will for our lives. <clears throat> it is the revealed will of God. It is obvious. It is spelled out for us in the Bible. For example, the Bible tells us that it is God's will for all men to be saved. Now, not all people are saved, but God wills that all people be saved. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. If anybody goes to hell, they're not going in the will of God. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. That's God's desire, that all men be saved. 
and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you want to do God's will, you better know the Lord Jesus. That's the will of God. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus, then you don't know the will of God. And if you don't know him, I want you to know that he wants to save you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. And if you'll receive him as your savior, if you'll confess your sin, I want to tell you that he will save you and he will bless you and he will direct your life. It's God's will that all men be saved. It's God's will that we live a holy life. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's God's will for us to yield our lives to him. 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and this they did not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know what it's God's will for you to do, young person? To give your life to the Lord Jesus. To say, as the prophet said, here am I, Lord, send me. I don't know where. I don't know who it's going to be with. I don't know what I'm going to do. But God, I want you to know that I'm yours and I'm yielding my life to you. That's the will of God, friends. If you work a job, do you know it's the will of God that you do that job to the best of your ability? If you bag groceries, if you teach children, if you work in a factory, do you know that you're to do that to the glory of God? Paul said, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. When you do your job, don't do it for men, do it for Jesus. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You know, I delivered a lot of packages in all those years at UPS, and I want to tell you, I was in the will of God doing that. There were days I wasn't quite sure, but I was in the will of God, and I needed to be the best employee in the place, and that's what ought to characterize Christian people. It's God's will for you and I to abstain from fornication. It's God's will for you and I to give thanks in everything. It's God's will for you and I to submit to the laws of men. Uh, it is God's will for us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, to bring the tithe into the storehouse, to love one another, to pray for one another, and to tell people about Jesus. I want to tell you, friend, that is clear. That is the revealed will of God. And if you want to know that which is not yet revealed in your life concerning the will of God, you better come in compliance with that which has been revealed. Because if you can't prove to God that you want to do that which is revealed, why should he reveal anything else to you? And so we have the revealed will of God. We're to walk with the comprehension of his will. We get into the word of God. The word of God gets into us. And we begin to understand what things are true and what things are right. And it's the will of God. You see, I never had to make a decision since my wife and I have been married about where I needed to be on Sunday. I knew the will of God. Sunday morning, I was going to be at church. Sunday night, I was going to be at church. Wednesday night, I was going to be at church. My parents taught me that. The word of God backs that up. And I want to do the will of God, don't you? Now, 
as we know more of God and God's word, God begins to reveal to us that which is not revealed in Scripture. Here we're talking about specifics for your life and mine. How am I going to know God's will? Well, I'm going to tell you, God speaks to you. He speaks to you in three ways. He speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you through other Christians, and he speaks to you through the circumstances of your life. And those three avenues are the avenues that God uses to direct you into his will. And as you know more of him and you're yielded more to him, and your mind is transformed into the mind of Christ, God places the desire for your life that he has for you into your heart, and you begin to desire what God desires, and God verifies in your heart what is the will of God for your life. Now, sometimes people want to jump ahead of that, but I want to tell you, time spent waiting on God is never wasted. Time spent waiting on God is never wasted. And when you try to get ahead of God, friend, that's when you get in trouble. You know, when you get down to pray and you've, you've got things to deal with and you think, well, I, I need to pray. And then you get on your knees, you, you find a private place to pray. And as soon as, you, as soon as you kneel there and you find yourself in a position to pray, you begin to pray and what begins to fill your mind? Oh, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I didn't even think about that. Oh, my goodness. And now, oh, I've got this other thing. I don't have time to sit here on my knees. I got to get up, and I got to get moving. And Charles Spurgeon said, God forbid that you neglect your business, but those who do most business with God are generally those who do their business best with man. And there is a great saving of time in having time with God in prayer. You see, I save myself a world of effort and a world of time by learning to give my time to God and wait upon him and allow him to direct my steps. And Paul's prayer for the church at Colossians, or the Colossae, <clears throat> in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Thank you, Paul. What are you praying for? That ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There's a great verse for parents to pray for their children. Well, I want my son, you know, to have a good job and a good career and make a certain amount of money. I want my daughter to, you know, be independent and be able to, you know, I want her to get married, but I want her to have a nice income and a lot of that, all the all the little checklists that moms and dads have today. The only checklist we really need is this, that they know God and they serve God with their life and that they do the will of God. God will take care of the rest, won't he? Absolutely. That would have been a good place for somebody to say amen. That's all right. I'll give you another opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Amen. So if I am going to redeem the time, number one, I have to walk with caution according to God's truth. Number two, I have to walk with the comprehension and understanding of God's will. And then thirdly, I need to walk under the control of God's spirit. 
I need to walk under the control of God's spirit. Why? The days are evil. I mean, if you don't believe that, pull out here on the street. Let somebody who wants to go 70 in a 35-mile zone get behind you. Flash their lights, beep their horn, wave at you with all kinds of nice gestures. Call you names. What is it that you want to do? You don't want to give them a track and invite them to tabernacle. You want to tell them what you think of them, right? Or you come across some unsolicited temptation, and it begins to fester in your mind. Or somebody says something to you in your family that's unkind and undeserved maybe and unexpected, and your thought is, to lash out at them or you hear that somebody has been talking about you or somebody comes up and they have a question about your character and your integrity and all of these things are things that we face in this world how will we respond to them in these evil days how will we respond to the intensity of the hatred and opposition uh, that is coming from this world how will we respond to that under control of what influence? Well, Paul says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now, the Ephesian readers would have readily known exactly what he means, not only in the sense that we understand not that we should not be drunk with wine, but drunkenness and the use of wine was used in the pagan rituals in Ephesus and in lots of regions throughout the world at that time. And the Roman deities were worshipped uh, by the consumption of alcohol and all sorts and forms of immoral and unmentionable practices. They would drink themselves full to allow themselves to come into a different state of mind. They were no longer in control of their faculties and their impulses. They were given over to the influence of the alcohol. And this, they believed, put them in an ecstatic state to worship their Roman deities. And Paul is saying no Christian should be under the influence of any other substance other than one, the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a Christian, the moment that you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came to dwell within you. The life of the Spirit was imparted to you. You got all of the Holy Spirit in that moment that you will ever have. Uh, it's not like the, the, the charge on a phone where, you know, your level of spirit filledness or your spirit uh, level begins to diminish you got all of him that you can have and you got him at the beginning when you receive christ as savior so to be filled with the spirit does not mean that i say lord i need more of you no to be filled with the spirit is saying lord you need more of me because what happens we fill our vessel, our life, our soul, our heart, and our mind with sinful, fleshly, displeasing things. 
that are displeasing to God. For example, our attitudes. They crowd out the presence of the Spirit in our life. Uh, our, our, our lusts and, and our anger and, and, and our bitter words and our cutting remarks and our selfishness. Those are the things, our pride uh, and our insolence. Those are the things that crowd out the fullness of the Spirit of God in our lives. And if I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then what I have to do is come consciously into the presence of the Lord moment by moment and say to him, wait a minute, there's something in here occupying my heart and mind that should not be here, and I have to say, Lord, I confess that to you. I'm giving that to you. Cleanse me of this, and may I be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and under the Spirit's control, not under the appetite of the flesh control or the impulse of my, 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 my mind, not under the control of that or my anger or whatever emotion it is that may displease God I want to be yielded to the control of the Holy Spirit. And when he fills me, I can smile at the guy behind me. I can be kind to the waiter or the waitress who is short. I don't mean stature, but I mean in temperament. I can deal with my children or with my wife or with my neighbors. I can deal with temptation that comes upon me like a ravenous lion if I'm walking in the Spirit. And I cannot walk in the Spirit if I'm not walking in the Scriptures. You see, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the life of God is imparted to me through the ministry of the Word. And so I need the word of God and the spirit works in accordance to the word. And these two, the scriptures and the spirit working together in my life can bring me to where I need to be, where I'm not filled with any other thing. I'm not under the influence of any other thing, but the Holy Spirit. And when that happens in my life and in yours, We'll speak to one another in verse 19 in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Why is it that we ask everybody to stand and sing the hymns because this is what we've been commanded to do and the Spirit of God is present when we do that. It lifts us beyond this world and raises us up together where we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And the Spirit of God is working among us and walking among us, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. I cannot complain and I cannot murmur if I'm giving thanks to God. Submitting myself one to another. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In other words, as long as I understand it's not about me. I want to be a blessing to you. I'm not always going to get my way. I've learned it's better to let others have theirs. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. You see, when we submit to God, we'll have no trouble submitting one to another. None. 
So if we're going to redeem the time, if we're going to make the most of this opportunity, if God allows you and I to live every day in 2021, that's 365 days that we'll be together. I pray he gives us all that opportunity. What will we do with it? As we gather for the first Sunday in 2022, will we look back on this year with regret or will we rejoice in what God has done? I pray that we rejoice in what God has done because we've chose day by day, moment by moment to redeem the time because the days are evil.